0: This week on A Lively Experiment, Rhode Island lawmakers have major issues to tackle again in 2019. Right at the top, a big budget hole, plus low test scores for public school students, and the question of whether to legalize marijuana. Will Massachusetts have an influence on what is done here?
1: A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by For
2: 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program.
0: Joining us this week, Senate Minority Leader Dennis Algier, House Minority Whip Michael Chippendale, Joe Sicarchi, House Majority Leader, and Senate Majority Leader Michael McCaffrey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first program of 2019. A new year brings new issues and a few old ones up at the Statehouse. From another substantial budget deficit and questions about how to divide the financial pie, to the potential legalization of marijuana and what to do about Rhode Island public school test scores. This week, we welcome back the leadership from the Rhode Island House and Senate, Lawmakers who will be right in the thick of the decision-making process for the session that kicked off on New Year's Day. I will note, uh, we had wanted to have uh, House Minority Leader Blake Filippi. Mike Chippendale got the call from the bullpen, so he is the House Minority Whip and glad to have you with us today. Let's, uh, Joe, let's begin with you. Uh, The legalization of marijuana is something that a lot of people have talked about. They see a lot of revenue. But I've also heard some cautionary, you know, let's look to Massachusetts to see what's going on. Will this be on the House's plate in 2019?
3: Yes. Uh, This is an issue that is is perennial. It comes up every couple of years. It's been six years in the General Assembly. Six years we've been talking about the legalization of marijuana. It will be on the forefront this year. We'll look at it, we'll study it, we'll see what Massachusetts is doing, and we'll hear from the public and, and the experts. There are a lot of people who are in favor of marijuana legalization, and there are a lot of people who are against it. So we'll have hearings on it, they'll be televised, and if you have a position, you need to come up and advocate for that position at the statehouse.
0: Yeah. What are your concerns? What what questions do you want to have answered?
3: How much, you know, is it a gateway drug? Does it actually lead to uh, more, you know, the the opiate crisis? Does it uh, hurt productivity? Uh, Is it preventing people from getting a job down an electric boat because they can't pass a drug test? On the same token, are we going to have those problems anyway because people can now just drive to Seekonk and Fall River and Attleboro and buy marijuana and come back to Rhode Island? So we have to look at it. Are are we just getting the... um, detriment part of the equation, or are we able to get some benefits from this tax revenue-wise as well?
0: Mike, any buzz in your chamber? I know that uh, Senator Miller has, has put one forth uh, annually. What are you hearing?
2: It's going to be the same in the Senate. We're going to look at it. We're going to study it. Joe and I went to a conference a couple of years ago out in Colorado and spoke to legislators out there. They've had it for a number of years, and their law is continually, continually evolving. I mean, what are the effects that we're going to have in Rhode Island with it?
4: We've we've taken some steps over the past few years. We've legalized uh, medical marijuana use uh, after, you know, a deliberate debate over the years. We decriminalized certain amounts of marijuana. And (coughs) the next step is looking at legalization. But my colleagues are absolutely correct. We have to look at this. There's, you know, different arguments on both sides. Uh, however, now we're being surrounded by states that have legalized it. So we, we need to look at both sides and we encourage people to come to the state house and voice their concerns or, 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 or their position, plus, you know, positive or negative on, on the issue. And we're very fortunate to have members of the Senate, not unlike the House, that have, you know, a compassionate feelings about this issue either side. And, and I look forward to listening to both sides of the debate. More importantly, they're looking at what other states are facing, the consequences and how it's affected and how they've been tweaking the existing statutes over the past few years as they continue to grow into the, uh, the legalization um, concept.
0: Philosophically, where
1: are you, Mike? You know, sometimes I run the risk of sounding overly puritanical when we talk about subjects like this, but I'm also pragmatic. Um, My largest concern relative to this issue is the law enforcement tools that we make available to them. Um, We're at a point now where with DUI, we've gotten that under control. We have very, very rigorous testing that goes on in the field in, in medical settings. Where is that for marijuana now? That technology is advancing. I was speaking with my uh, police chiefs just a few days ago about this very issue. And that is law, enforcement, law enforcement's major concern, is how do we determine if somebody is under the influence? And I think these, these are all questions. And my colleagues all brought up very legitimate questions that we have to, we have to address.
3: Mike makes a good point. We went to a conference in Colorado They've had legalization marijuana for 10 years, recreational use. but They did it by ballot referendum. But for 10 years in a row, the General Assembly in Colorado has changed the laws regarding this and how you regulate it. They haven't perfected it for 10 years. And Mike makes a very good point about law enforcement. How do we test if someone is driving impaired? And go talk to the insurance industry here in Rhode Island. They're concerned about it because in Colorado, the number of accidents and the cost of— uh, Auto insurance went up significantly with the legalization of marijuana.
0: it also took two years for Massachusetts to get to where we are. We're not paying attention to how the sausage is made leading up to the openings, right? Exactly.
3: So hopefully we can look at these other communities and see how they solve these problems, or at least how they address these problems, and we can learn from that. And we'll have to wait and see. I don't think the uh, foregone conclusion is that we're going to legalize it or not legalize it. I think we're going to have to hear from the public and the advocates. All
0: right. The uh, budget cloud, cloud, storm clouds are looming again <laughs> with uh, $40, $50 million dollars to close this year's budget, another 150 160 next year. This seems like a perennial issue that we talk about. We sat on this set last year. It was a 9-point Two billion dollar budget. Now it's up to nine six. The governor pr- proposed nine four. Dennis, you were the elder statesman here. I say that with great respect. Uh, you've been there since the late eighties. I don't know what the budget
4: was when you started. I, I don't recall. But
0: I also wonder this is not sustainable ultimately, and some difficult decisions are going to have to be made at some
4: point. We, we face a f- structural deficit for the most part the last several years, and we continue to look at a, a structural deficit. Uh, however, the last fiscal year, I believe, we ended with a surplus albeit it was a small surplus. Um, and uh, that delta of the $400 million you just referenced, I believe some of it is attributed to federal funds. Uh, the, the amount is smaller as to the amount of money the, the General Assembly had to contribute. Uh, but, you know... It, but it's written into the budget and it has to, you're not going backwards. No, no, no. Right? no. We, have, have, to, we, have, six six we have to deal with the deficit uh, this year and outgoing years. And this year particularly... As in the past, I think it was 2018, we did rely upon one-time revenue sources, which is not good to do. We did it. Um, we've done it in the past. We need to take, get a better handle on some of the expenses in our departments, executive departments. Uh, you know, the, the, the economy, while it, it looks good, um, there are signals out there that it might start slowing down nationally, regionally, and statewide. But the employment numbers look good. Um, revenues still look decent. But uh, there's a recession out on the horizon somewhere. The, um, the department
0: heads came in late November or December and seemed to be kind of like, yeah, we're overspending. There didn't seem to be a lot of urgency. And I know the House Finance Chairman Marvin Abney, who's keeping a close eye on these things, it seemed to be a little blase.
4: Well, I I, I, I'm going to make a point of that. We need to rein in some of the spending with the departments. And we have an oversight uh, a responsibility as legislators. And we also have a responsibility in passing a balanced budget. But I, I implore my colleagues to, to continue to look closely at the overspending that's, uh, that's occurring in some of our departments. In the House, what's the discussion?
3: We need, uh, th- th- we're concerned, obviously, at, with the overspending. We need to look at why and what's happening. Is this being driven by factors that have some kind of control? Are these, fa- are these being d- uh, driven by factors we don't have control? Well, you can't predict. A budget analysis is a projection. You know, we have a 2 percent deficit. That means 98 percent we were there. We have to look at why, why are we 2 percent off? Do we have too many people on social services? Although we have too many prisoners in the ACI? There are some factors you can't control, but there are some factors, as Senator has said, that you can control. So we need to be aware of that and cognizant of that. But the flip side of that is this is, uh, you know, the budget is, is not an exact science. Any budget is a, based on projections, the amount of tax revenue you take in and the amount of expenses you t- give out.
0: But ultimately, the recession is going to come at some point, right? We're in the good times, Mike. We certainly
2: are. And I know the Senate, Senator Connolly, wants to start having hearings to bring directors and to talk to them to see why, why things are happening the way they're happening. In addition, <clears throat> in the Senate, we don't want to increase any taxes. We want to keep the taxes the way they are. It's doing good with respect to businesses. Yeah, but that's also you a bit of a shell
0: game, too, because, you know, the governor and, and, the, and the leadership <laughs> says, well, we're not raising any taxes. The fees have gone up. I mean, you go to register your car, that's gone up a lot, too. So, I mean, ultimately, the revenue has to come somewhere. I don't hear anybody saying cut. It's like we got to take care of people we're not hearing the cuts,
1: and I know you discuss that a yeah, lot. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with not only the you know, the departments need to need to trim down, but we are very, very top heavy in in state government. Um, furthermore, the the costs that we don't control, the things like health care, these drive the budget of the state um, and and contractual obliga- obligations drive the budget of the state upwards without us having any control over that. I mean, it's just like a, a household budget. You have to plan for your health insurance to go up every year. just like the towns do. Um, it's no different, only larger. And that makes it all that much uh, more difficult. But we need to get away, in my opinion, from the practices of scooping and uh, shifting taxes over to fees or surcharges. Um, th- that's just window dressing. It's, it, it's, it is a way to say, hey, we didn't raise taxes. But the, uh, the burden that, that's placed on the average citizen still exists when, when all of those fees go up.
4: No, I don't disagree. We need to look at fees. But over the past few years, we have made some strides in reducing certain taxes, which have been very beneficial. And there's evidence that it has worked with our increased unemployment, the unemployment rate reducing, businesses expanding. So we need to continue on that path, not raising uh, taxes, uh, providing a regulatory climate which is favorable to businesses to continue to grow, especially small businesses. We have a lot of small businesses we need to work with, existing businesses. I know we're always out there trying to attract new businesses, and there's carrots out there. We have to be careful with that. But, you know, retention of businesses and working with businesses and growing is very important to our economy, especially small businesses. And we continue with our tax structure and regulatory burden reduction.
0: A lot of uh, hand-wringing over the uh, RICAS scores that came out. A couple of actually right after the election, they were released. And um, a lot of people are saying we're years behind with Massachusetts. I've heard a lot of we need to do better. We need to do better. We've you know, we've been saying that for 10 or 20 years. I wonder, Senator McCaffrey, going forward, what specifically I mean, this is this is on. I'm sure you don't go five feet without somebody asking you about first thing is, I don't think
2: it's an issue that we just put money on. It's going to solve it. We have to find what the root issue is there so we can start to address it. Obviously, I come from Warwick. Warwick's had a school contract dispute for a number of years. That certainly played into the test scores, in my opinion. I mean, what the, what the RIDE does now, they have to look at it, assess it. I know that Senate President is really concerned with that and wants to get some issues there to make sure that we do bring the test scores up. We, if we're going to put additional resources there, that they're going in the right places. Or maybe RIDE has to adjust their resources, how they're
0: spending them. He and both the House speakers uh, were very strong in their comments coming out. What's the buzz going on over in the House
3: chamber? It's an issue. We we need to find out what's wrong. We need to find out what's right. We need to make adjustments. And I concur 100% with Mike McCaffrey, my good friend from Warwick, is that we just can't blindly throw money at a problem. We have to find out, hold people accountable. What's the problem? What hasn't worked? We need to change that. We need to make adjustments. Let's, let's look what's working in other states. Let's try to emulate that in Rhode Island before we talk about increasing funding.
0: You know, the uh, Central Falls Superintendent, Victor uh, Capion, said something very concrete. He said, and he would have to negotiate with the unions. He said, let's extend the, the school day an hour. And if you add that times your 180 days, what would that do? And that's the first
4: concrete thing that I've heard.
0: I mean, I know there's no easy solution.
4: But like Joe and uh, Michael stated, that there's there's things that are working in other areas, other states. We should look at that. But throwing money is not going to solve the problem. Now, there might be areas we need to fund further, but let's do a comprehensive um, uh, assessment of what's working in other states Uh, what we can do better. There are professionals out there. I I don't profess to be an expert in education, but it is a building block of our economy and our our quality of life in the state, and it's something we have to take very seriously, and I'm confident we'll look very carefully at it this year and understand what's wrong, what are the root causes, how to correct it, and moving forward, what we need to do to, 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 to make it a an environment that's better for learning for our
0: students. Because ultimately when you're trying to attract businesses, that's the most basic thing, isn't it? You don't want to move your family somewhere where they have horrible schools.
1: They're going to look at quality of education. I'm no uh, education expert either, but I am a dad who, who put two kids through the public schools. Um, I've seen things that I'm concerned about. I've, I've seen, um, and I don't want to use the term dumbing down, but I guess I just did, of the requirements. There, there is a lack of accountability um, where tests are being allowed to be taken over and over again until, until it's gotten right. Um, I think a, a great real-life example of this is I was speaking with someone in a, in a trade union, and they have to test in to these trade unions. They, they have to demonstrate certain um, aptitude and eighth-grade level math tests are being flunked at a overwhelming rate by kids and, and even some adults trying to test into uh, a labor union, and they won't reduce their standards, nor should they. And industry is the same way as, as as business is going to be. So. If we have kids going into secondary education, going into college, and they need remedial education, we know we have an issue that we have to go back, look at the fundamentals, and, and assess it.
0: I don't know about you. They lost me. My kids lost me in third grade on mm-hmm. the math. I don't know what they're teaching now, but I was no help in the fourth grade. with now, there's, there's
4: some math. positive things that are happening in education, and a, and a good uh, example is that is the model program we have in Westerly with our career center, uh, career center, Technical Center, which was built and developed with private money and public money and we're we're getting students out of high school senior year getting a trade getting a diploma and at the end of the day getting a job at electric boat and that and that's works that's what's needed yeah. that's yeah. what's yeah. needed trade, yeah. so you're getting a skilled workforce and you're, you're 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 lighting them up with a company or or a sector that needs people to work uh, and, and, and it's I, working
2: and i know a lot of the Volk tech schools now a Address, changing their curriculum to address being able to get into electric boat and the different trade Absolutely. unions and things like that.
4: And we're seeing Which, more trades now coming in. We're looking at financial services, medical services. They, they want to be part of that program in Westerly, and I know there's a uh, talk of building a similar uh, um, uh, institution in, in northern Rhode Island, but that works. Not every student coming out of high school is cut out for two-year, four-year college. So they're getting a good-paying job, guaranteed, with benefits, and... Perhaps a future to go to college where the employer pays. And this is a very, very positive thing that's happening in our state. And I, I hope people, more and more people know about this, and it's working very well. And it resulted with a public private partnership with the right. yeah. Speaker of the House, Mattiello, with the President, Senate President Ruggiero, and the Governor all coming together with private partnerships we put together. And it worked out very well. An
0: electric boat. We've had a lot of talk on this set the last two years mm-hmm. about the Rhode Island promise, so-called the taxpayer-funded education. And I know with a $200 million deficit, that might not be possible this year. I would be curious to each of you, I mean, philosophically and then the practical results. A lot of people have said so many people get to CCRI and they need remedial courses, whether we should be plowing more into K to 12. Joe, what's your assessment on how that program is working? And the governor has even indicated this may not be the year to expand into other areas. I
3: I think the jury is still out. I think we need to look at it some more. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, CCRI is working hard to improve the program. They have, offering education, which I think is a good thing to people who wouldn't be eligible for that. But are we getting, as the taxpayer, the doll, you know, our bang for the buck? Uh, is it working enough to, to be sustainable to expand, to, to expand? I don't know the answer yet. We need to hear the data. We need to see the results. How was it before this? What was the graduation rate? What was the remediation rate? All of these things. Is it have a positive effect? Then we should continue it. If it doesn't, we need to revamp the program or, or amend it or, or, or eliminate it. Obviously, the program is
2: allowing students who couldn't go to college to go to college, which is good because if they go to CCR, more than likely they're going to go to URI or Rhode Island College and probably stay in the state of Rhode Island. And that's what we want to do is have the kids go to school in Rhode Island, stay in Rhode Island, and make Rhode Island their home for
0: life. But philosophically, should taxpayers be paying for college?
1: No. Very simply, no. I don't believe so. Um, I I think when you you put it out there free of tuition... Um, it just becomes 13th grade to kids, and and they don't take it as seriously because there's no there's no fiduciary responsibility for them to ever pay it back. Um, there is a value in in education that you have to appreciate, and, and when you have an opportunity to get into a college where you couldn 't have otherwise afforded it, i think that 's good and I think we, we should work on things, maybe grants, maybe other things where where there is accountability where if you if you flunk out, then you are responsible uh, financially. Uh, there are many things we can do, but i don 't think giving away. Just to anyone who wants to get in uh, the first two years i don 't believe that 's the way
0: philosophically to go. about the program Dennis what do you think
1: uh,
4: well again it 's difficult me understanding you know the taxpayers paying for, for education, but there are students out there who are um, uh, want to go to school, want to better their lives, want to um, uh, get a career, and I, I think joe 's right we need to go back and, and, and reassess and see if this is working and, and we 're getting the results that we that we want because it is taxpayer money. Um, there are families, though, that can afford to send their students, as children, to school, and I don't think we should be paying for those families that have the um, uh, that that income, uh, where the where the should be paying. So, um, I, I look forward to maybe looking at the uh, this upcoming year or the uh, uh, assessing the the uh, the program if it is actually working and in, in, in the cost benefit to the uh, the taxpayer.
0: I do want to address some of the uh, unrest that has been going on leading up to the House session. Uh, there were the whole. Uh, 21, then 19, who are now part of the so-called Reform Caucus, who did not, who abstained on voting for Speaker Mattiello. I know there's been a little bit of angst going in. The Speaker said, look, we've got to get down to business now. Mike, as you sit there, I know you agree philosophically with some of what uh, the, the progressive Democrats are saying, line item veto, inspector general, that type of thing, other things you're, you're over here. What is your sense going into this session as how that's going to affect the session?
1: It's certainly going to liven it up. There's no doubt about that. Um, we'll look
0: forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> from the media's perspective, we appreciate absolutely,
1: that. Absolutely, plenty of material. Uh, you know, as as a member of the minority, um, I say welcome to the welcome to the party. Welcome to the real world. You know, they're realizing now just how difficult it is sometimes to to get initiatives passed. Um, that's politics. That is, you need to in, embrace the art of compromise and. Um, unfortunately, that, that seems to have gone by the wayside uh, in certain quarters, and, and that's not healthy for public dialogue, it's not healthy for the process in the building, it's not, pro- it's not healthy uh, for the state to see so much, uh, so much of a rift in, in its own government. Um, but I, I think ultimately, on the areas where we philosophically agree, uh, there will be compromises that come out of the, the disagreances.
0: Joe, the, um, okay, th- I was interesting. Uh, I don't know if a message was being sent, maybe you can clarify, uh, the Rules Committee doesn't have any one of those 19 people who call themselves the Reform Caucus, Representative Kazarian was taken off. What message does that send in terms of the olive branch going out that didn't seem to be extended in that? Because th- the rules are a big deal in the House.
3: Well, be, the, the rules will be debated. They'll be open. A, any member, whether you're on the committee or not, okay. and, and I'm not a member of the committee, but any member who, who wants to can come and speak. And but why pose. wouldn't the Speaker have put a couple of those people on just to have representation? I think it's it's philosophical. I think that when you make a decision that you do not support leadership and that's everybody's free to make that decision, that what you're saying is, I don't want to be part of that process. I don't. Does it also be say
0: champion. I want to park in East Providence and have to walk in? Is no, anybody's no, parking spot at, at uh, <laughs> No,
3: at, at no, no Nobody would be parking in East Providence or at the Providence Place Mall, <laughs> as you heard. Uh, listen, listen, I understand the media likes to talk about this, but at the end of the day, we're all, de- we're all Democrats in our caucus and we're all going to pass a responsible budget. We're all going to work on good legislation together. This is a, a lot of inside baseball. If you go to any restaurant in, or in Rhode Island and you ask a uh, hundred people who are sitting there, you know, you're concerned about the rules of the House. No one's really that concerned about the rules of the House. They're concerned about what your legislature does. Are you accountable? Do you show up every day? Do you work? What legislation have you passed? What are you working on? What's going to affect my life? That's what people care, the bread and butter issues.
0: Senator
4: Algiers is just smiling over here like, you guys in the House can handle it. Well, first thing I learned, I've been up there many years. I don't get involved in House politics. We have our own politics in the (laughs) Senate. That's why you've been there 30 years, right? We have our own politics. So, you know, but um, the process in in, in the Senate, and not unlike uh, any other uh, body in our country, is a a deliberate process. It's one of compromise. As a member of the minority party, I'm very fortunate. I have been part of the process in in the Senate. Um, I'm at the table with the rules and uh, other decisions that are made, and, I, and, I, and I'm fortunate to have that. And, you know, while I don't always get what I want— there, there's been many times when there's been compromise. And that's what the legislative process is all about. So if people have ideas, bring them forward. If people want to bring forward, uh, ideas to the uh, the Senate Rules Committee, by all means, bring it to the Senate is there Rules. Is there
0: any truth in the room where you welcome Roger Williams when he arrives?
4: <laughs> I just want
0: to make sure. Uh, what I wanted to do before we left in the few minutes that we have left, a lot of times all of what we've been talking about, the budget and the sports gambling and all that grabbed the headlines. I had asked each of you to talk about maybe a bill or an issue that you were uh, championing, that you may have in the past senator McCaffrey let 's begin with you. a
2: couple of issues there obviously justice reinvestment has been in effect for a couple of years, and we're hearing that maybe something should be tweaked in that we 're going to obviously look into that and I, I know that the Senate is uh, has a commission to look into elder abuse and elder exploitation as the population of Rhode Island ages and people have assets we're starting to see more and more people being taken advantage of for whatever for whatever reason we want to make sure that they don't be taken advantage of and things like that.
3: And
0: I would assume if the House majority leader's behind it, it's going to get some attention. I mean, the Senate majority leader. I would would hope it would. Flex the muscle a little (laughs) bit. Joe, what about you?
3: Uh, There's there's a couple of issues. I'll give the broad-based. I'm looking at uh, some legislation regarding blockchain, see if if we can do something to make Rhode Island attractive, to grow and uh, nurture that business model, if it actually happens. I'm looking at some Alzheimer's legislation, and I'm looking at the possibility of some tweaking of the tax code that would uh, take some of the benefits of the Trump tax credit, or cut, whatever you want to call it, that would be revenue-neutral to the state of Rhode Island, but would actually provide a benefit to Rhode Island taxpayers. It's not ready yet. I'm still researching and studying it. It's something similar to what Connecticut had just recently passed. Right, And you also
0: had mentioned that your mastectomy bill had gone through We talked about that a year ago, right? You uh, want to
3: elaborate on that?
4: It a good bill, Joe.
3: Thank you very much. It, it was a collaborative effort. It was a great bill. And I actually got a, a call yesterday from a uh, Rhode Islander who uh, dramatically affected her life that now she can... That
0: all mastectomies are covered? Is that what it is now? Uh,
3: no, no copays. No copays. We, all, we already had this law in effect for about 10 years, but gradually through federal regulation and federal law and state regulation, it's kind of whittled away. So there was a lot of copay. So it almost became most co-insurance for some. Did people. the insurance companies balk then? Is yes, it was kind of gradually. Ab- ab- right? Absolutely, and it was two, It took two years to pass that piece of legislation. It was not easy. It's it's a good piece of legislation, and you know that's something that affects everyday Rhode Islanders.
1: Everybody, Mike Chippendale, what do you have? Well, out in the western part of Rhode Island, the, the cow belt, as we call it, uh, we have Are you not?
0: Have you not been annexed <laughs> by Connecticut yet? Are you still no, they, Rhode they're, Island? they're
1: trying. They're All trying. Right. Um, you know, we have our own issues. Right now we're dealing with a lot of uh, renewable energy projects that, due to a, 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 the silence in, in the statutes and in planning in towns, have kind of gone awry in certain areas where we're clear-cutting forested land to install solar panels that will last 20 years. It makes no sense. You don't take the biggest uh, reducer of carbon dioxide out of the environment by cutting down trees and then say you're going to install green energy. That's uh, that's contrary to the entire idea. So, so what
0: would you like to see done?
1: I would like to see a more comprehensive approach where we make advan- take advantage of, of uh, locations that already exist, sites that already exist, whether it's rooftops, whether it's old landfills. Hayfields. Exactly. Or if you have a hayfield. Actually, we, we have farms that have allocated cer- certain segments of existing hayfields rather than sell them as house lots. That's perfectly appropriate. But when you start to to, to cut down 100 acres of, of, of forested land, to install a project with a, a life cycle of 20 years, you're doing a lot of damage to the environment. Um, you, you, dam- you could be potentially damaging the water tables, the aquifers, uh, the water that people rely on out in the western part of the state because we have wells. Um, there's been a lot of detrimental impact because of the, this rush to renewables. And, and I'm, I'm supportive of renewables. It's not that I'm, a, I'm opposed to it, but it has to be done smart and it has to be done deliberatively, and we're not doing that right now.
4: Dennis, what do you have? Listen, at the end of the day, the Senate and the House, they were. women and men who put legislation in that they feel strongly about for whatever reason, something that may have affected their family or friends, and they're compassionate about issues. I may disagree with some of them. I may agree with some of them. I look forward to working with my colleagues on the issues they're working on. More importantly, the budget, what we can do to tackle the issue of our deficit, tackle the issue of structural deficit. But um, listen to both sides of the story. I look forward to working with my colleagues in the next legislative session on a productive year. And... um, listening to both sides of the story on, 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 on legislation put forth.
0: Just 30 seconds left. What is the biggest change that you've seen? You've been there almost three
4: decades. Mm-hmm. What, how have things changed from when you first went in? Technology. Technology has had a big impact. And also, the, the, the public is, has real-time, can actually feel and touch the General Assembly in a real-time fashion. Uh, whether it be through, um, uh, you know, computers, uh, applications. Capital TV. Capital TV, uh, you know, social media. It's, it's just all technology, I think, has changed and has made it, uh, I think, more efficient, but more importantly, more available to the public to know what's going on.
0: Folks, that is all the time we have for this week. We appreciate you joining us, Dennis and Mike. And Joe and Mike, thank you for coming in. We'll be looking forward to what's happening this session. And folks, follow us throughout 2019. You have any number of ways to do that. You can watch us every week. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, and now podcasts of Lively Experiment. So take us with you wherever you go. We'll look forward to seeing you here next week as a Lively Experiment continues.
1: A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by.
2: For 30 years, A Lively Experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr.,
4: and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program.